do grab a seat. Morning, everybody. It's good to see you. Uh, for those of you that haven't met me before, my name's Nick and I'm one of the pastors here. And it is great to see you as we start to get into the Christmas zone. Do you like my Christmas jumper? I've gone for a slightly non-traditional one. I did say to someone, Jesus doesn't look so happy about his birthday. So I feel like I need a Sharpie or something to give him a slightly bigger smile. Um, but before I invite Jen up, who um, I'm going to just spend some time, we're going to have a conversation um, in front of you, really. You can listen to some of the things that God has been doing in Jen's life. But before I do that, I just want to take a moment to reflect on our 12 weeks of prayer that have now come to an end. I mean, good news is we can keep praying. We don't just pray for 12 weeks. But we did dedicate 12 weeks where we were going after specific things in prayer. And we were praying for 24 people to say yes to Jesus. We were praying for £24,000 to make up a budget shortfall that's come about through all kinds of rent issues and cost of living and that kind of stuff. And we were praying for an increase in miracles. And many of you every Wednesday have been gathering at the Beehive in the evening in the centre of town and praying specifically for these things and more. And I wanted to give you an update on some of the outcomes of that. Now, what's been really interesting for Chris and I and the pastors is when you go after specific things, you have to make a bold choice. Because if you're going to pray for specific things, you need to be willing to, to then see how those things are going in terms of what you're expecting. And the first thing that I want to say is around the money and the finance. Now, we've been having all kinds of things go on in the background with this building um, and some issues over rent. And when we were looking at the budget and seeing the shortfall, I can honestly say that as pastors and key leaders, we weren't in fear over it. This, this house and this church family have many times been in a position where we have needed to go to God and say, we need your provision. And he has never once let us down and he's not about to now. And so we went to him as leaders and we're saying, well, you know, we're going to do the things we know to do, but we really need to see you in people's hearts releasing abundance. And over those 12 weeks, as we were praying for a release of that £24,000 in increased giving from individuals who are part of this family, one-off financial gifts and grants, as Chris mentioned, we have seen 39320 pounds come in during that time. And some of those gifts, I have to say, have come at great cost to people, not just a financial cost, the courage and the generosity of people to say, actually, I feel God's spoken to me about giving generously, and I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm going to do it. People have been so prayerful in their consideration of giving financially, and we are incredibly grateful. And when I say it's come at a cost, that's not necessarily meant the biggest donations. For some people, just starting to give regularly or just increasing the amount they give by just a small amount has been massive for them in the climate that we're living in financially. And we completely believe that whilst the world is saying there is a recession going on and we should all be terrified of the cost of living increase, we believe that we have no reason to fear because actually God is an abundant dad and he has everything we need. And so we don't need to fear where provision is coming from. And as we've prayed, we've seen him show up and do abundant and wonderful things. So the second thing we were praying for was people saying yes to Jesus. And we were praying that 24 people would say yes to Jesus. And in the 12 weeks, we have seen six people. So a quarter of that, we've seen six people saying yes to Jesus for the first time. 
And what's so important in these moments is not to be looking at the, oh, we wanted 24 people. It's like six people have gone from a place of not knowing him and have decided to follow him and dedicate their lives to following him. That is no small thing. And those lives will be transformed. And not only that, they will see the lives of the people in their spheres of influence and their friends and their families watch that transformation and be transformed as well. But I think what it also causes us to do is to look at how do we manage when we're praying for things and we're not seeing what we hope or expect, what do we do with that? Because actually, of course, we would have loved to have seen a hundred people say yes to Jesus. So what do we do in our hearts when we don't see what we would love to see? And I'm going to be speaking to Jen about some of that this morning. But something we feel God has done with us as pastors and leaders is talk to us about positioning ourselves for breakthrough. And what we've done as a church is spent 12 weeks positioning ourselves to show up and pray as a family, pray together, go after things, put our prayers in line with his heart for abundance. And as we've done that, we've seen him move and do great things. And maybe not in the number of people saying yes to Jesus, but certainly in our hearts. And he's been doing the things in us that say, keep believing for more keep believing for more because I'm on the move and I want to do more. So as I say, I'll talk to Jen more about that, but I would encourage you that when we don't see the things we hope for, sometimes it's about our hearts being positioned and postured for the breakthrough that God wants to bring. And then lastly, we went after more miracles and we've had our miracle jars where we've been moving beads from this jar here into this one. And every bead in this jar represents a miracle that has happened in the last 12 weeks where people have put these in. And in fact, last week, if you see Liz Thatcher somewhere around, you should definitely ask her. She put three in last week and she had three incredible miracles happen at the beehive when she was working on shift there. Um, And we'll tell that story at some point. But each bead in the jar here represents something that was impossible that God made possible. Miracles are not coincidences. Miracles are not things that might have happened anyway. A miracle is something that but for God would not have happened and wouldn't have seen the breakthrough. And every bead in this jar represents one of those. So that is hugely exciting for us. And we're positioning ourselves to see this. That's what we're positioning ourselves for. Let's not settle with, oh, the 12 weeks is done now. I want to see every single bead in here transferred over. And what would it look like if one day our building had an entire wall made of beads? That would be pretty cool, right? A whole wall made of beads and things that they're just overflowing because we're seeing so many miracles. That is what we dream of. So that's our 2424 more. It's come to an end, but we have more um, things coming up as a church where we're going to be gathering together to pray and seek God for more breakthrough. So I'm going to invite my dear friend, all-round inspirational, wonderful lady, Jen, to come up and join me. Give her a really warm welcome. Where's Jen's mic? Oh, it's under Chris's chair. 
Now, Jen only found out that she was going to be doing this um, last night when she happened to be at what she might consider to be the wrong place at the right time um, when she was over at our house. And unfortunately, um, Chris is pretty poorly at the moment. So he was due to be doing the talk this morning um, and he's not able to be here. So he's watching at home. So uh, lots of love going out to Chris. Um, And so Jen happened to be over and I said, well, how about it? You've got so many things that God has been doing in your life and you've been learning a huge amount about what Moses talked about last week, which is dying to the things we might hope for, our own expectations, our own dreams and our own visions and laying it all down for a relationship with Jesus. And so I can't think of anyone better to be talking to this morning to share some of her insights with you. Um, So Jen, people would have seen you stood behind a microphone here singing, but may not know you at all. So just tell us a little bit about you, um, just to give us a little taster on who you are. Tell us a bit about your life up till now. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. Um, Yes, so my name's Jen, um, formerly known as Jenny, for those of you who may have known, but I'm now known as Jen. Um, Yeah, so I'm from a family of six. I had to count in my head then, um, early. Um, And I have three siblings, I have an identical twin sister and uh, a younger sister and older brother and I have been a Christian probably since I was 13, I've grown up in Ashford um, so recognise quite a few faces here but yeah that's a bit of me. Fantastic and what do you do during the week kind of on a day-to-day basis? So I have the absolute privilege to work for an education company who um, who are working with young people that, for whatever reason, have been excluded from school, um, so they're out of education, and our company sets up um, education for these young people. So we're looking at um, uh, heavy SEN, the worst of the worst kids that basically schools don't want, Prues can't handle. Um, we have the privilege of setting it up, and I, uh, it is just... Yeah, I absolutely love my job and the team that I work with because we we see such such success in what we do. Fantastic. And you mentioned that you've been a Christian since you were about 13. You've grown up in kind of Christian church circles, but that hasn't always been a straightforward path. Tell us a little bit about what that's looked like from 13 and then up to where you are now. What's that path gone like? Because I know from knowing you that it's not been straightforward, but tell us just a little bit about that trajectory. Well, um, so before I I came to the church, um, I'd actually had a really difficult um, experience at school, believe it or not. Funny, I'm in education now. Um, And it shaped me as a young person and a a child. And then I um, was invited uh, um, to ACF, which is now Bright City, Um, to be a part of a musical and from there on um, I just kind of was navigating my way through life and Christianity what I thought was knowing Jesus and um, it had its ups and downs and I from the the long story short of it is I faced a life of a lot of religion and um, I formed an identity in um, many things that was not healthy, perfectionism, um, and so on as, as a young female, uh, uh, you know, comparison. And I have an identical twin sister, so you can imagine what that's like as well. So, 
um, very much the underdog, and I positioned myself in a really unhealthy place. Um, but yet, I looked like I knew Jesus. <laughs> and then you went through that stage of so looking like you had it all together and feeling like you were doing all the right things when you say religion just help us understand what you mean by that what's your what do you mean when you say I lived a life that was about religion help us to understand what you mean by that I was really insecure and in order to me for me to feel like I knew Jesus and that I was able to have a relationship with him I was on a checklist of I pray every day I worshipped I I looked like uh, my family if you would if you'd have known the Blackwell family we looked like we had it all together and um and yeah it was just very much like if I can look like a certain way then people really won't know and so it was very much a cover-up of go to church I couldn't even say the word sex you know, things like, ah, um, like it was, yeah, it was just like I could only look like what people wanted me to look like. And then about five and a half years ago, your life, well, just before that, really, your life took a significant turn. Um, and that was an earthquake event in your family that really kind of shook your family. Just tell us a little bit about what happened. I did say to Nick, this might not look pretty. Um, so, okay, breathe. You got it. I know, I know, I've got it. Jesus is king. So, five and a half years ago, um, well, yeah, five years ago, five and a half years ago, around this time, uh, my mum became very unwell. Good. And my mum was my best friend. We did everything together. I, I've led a life of not what it looks like to, um, to do the normal things. I'm not married. I don't have children. And so my mum was like my best friend. And um, she was an incredibly wise woman. She was a, a foster carer along with my dad. And, um, yeah, I really, we just did everything together. And then this time, five years, five and a half years ago, um, she started to become unwell. And in my spirit, I knew something wasn't quite right. And so it led to a journey of, yeah, her passing. It happened very quickly. Um, so within the space of, I think, November to May, um, yeah, it was a quick journey of, Lord, um, I don't really know what's happened um, I'm expecting to see things that a lot of people don't believe in. Like, I want to see people raised from the dead. Is that a bit out of the ordinary? No. Like, uh, I want to pe- see people healed. And in that moment, I was like, yes. Not yes, obviously my mum's ill. But yes, we can see a complete miracle out of this and see lives changed. And I was on one. Like, I was declaring, you know, healing. I was totally in, in this realm of no one talked to me. Uh, this, is, this is Jesus. He is king. That's, that's going to happen. 
And so having been in a place of such faith over not only do I believe God can heal, I believe he will heal my mum. Obviously, when when your mum died, there was a moment for you that was shaking in the foundations of your identity, not just because you'd lost your mum and best friend, but also in your relationship with God. So in that very early stage, what did what did you and God look like as you wrestled out that outcome that was not what you were hoping for or you were expecting? I felt that I drew closer to God in that time. Um, I was listening to things, really meditating on those things that I wanted to see come out. Um, And um, there were moments of... um, You go into the flesh and you're like, is this going to happen? But a lot of people might say that I was in denial about what was going on because up until the day that she died I laid hands and prayed and because I truly believe that we have a Jesus that raises people from the dead mm-hmm. and even though that I didn't see that with my mum I was holding on to that my sisters who they don't actively go to church I know that they have a, a relationship but it was like we gathered together Um, And we just stood in a position of posturing our hearts towards God and really, yeah, lent in. That's how I felt. I really lent in. And I asked Jen before we came up here, is there anything that you don't want me to ask you or is anything off limits? And she said no. Um, And so I'm going to ask you to share, um, just after your mum died, you had a moment with God, which I think has been really pivotal to what has happened since can you just tell us about that conversation you had with God in that moment just after she died yes so my my mum always said that I was different not in a different but in a in a I'm pursuing something that a lot of people don't want to pursue and the day my mum died, I was, I was wondering whether I should share this, but I actually laid hands on my mum when she died because I stood and I declared, and I've got no shame in it. And then after, I took myself away and I literally was in, it was just a conversation, like a, a sentence, and I literally just stood there and I went, Lord, don't let my heart be hardened. And it was just something as simple as that because it's like that is the true meaning of your relationship with God is your heart. And I knew that I was going to go two ways at that point. I had a choice. And I chose. Took a while. <laughs> um, but I knew, I knew that I'd prayed that and that was my heart. That's amazing, and thank you for your courage in sharing that. Um, And so, um, one of the things I know you would hate is everybody listening to you this this morning and thinking, oh, you know, she's just so, like, amazing and godly in how she's responded. You know, oh, you know, I could never be that godly. She's got it all together. I know that that's what you would hate, and I know that that actually wasn't the story 
that continued in that season after you lost mum. It wasn't just a steadfast standing on, you know, me and God, we're in this together. When you said it took a while, for those people that are like, I could never respond like that, tell us, tell us from an honest appraisal of then that next season of adjustment for you and what that looked like um, with God. It was a bit of a joke, really, because I actually wanted to be really rebellious and to completely turn my back and to live a life of, I'm going to go out and get drunk. And, you know, when I, I said about the whole religion thing, I've never been drunk before. I've, I've held myself in a posture of, God, I'm going to wait for the right person for you. So for me, that was a lot of that I held religious. So it was like, come on, Lord, come on. Um, I want to live a life of, I want to test you. Like, I want to truly know that you are real. And so I, I didn't do anything awful, but, you know, I dated someone that wasn't a Christian, an honouring guy that I, God really protected me. And it was like I was deliberately just trying to walk the other way. And I, I remember coming back into the church after Mama died and I had to walk out because it was like, I can't do this. Like, I don't want that. Sorry, and I might offend people this morning, but I don't want that. I don't want church. No. I don't want to walk into a building and sit there in a congregation and sing a song that means nothing. Mm. I can't do that anymore. And even though I know that my relationship before my mum, I lent on my mum so much for answers, for, for um, things, and for understanding stuff and then suddenly that's ripped away from me it was like um the reality of Jesus what did that truly mean to me now I didn't know so I walked away going okay and actually it was quite easy because then my siblings would understand it's like oh you know everyone's offended at Jesus at God because he hasn't healed why we believe so much so this is my journey and I'm not I don't get offended if I say something, if you're going through a particular time as well. But for me, it was like, um, I don't want to know Jesus unless he is truly real. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's positioned people in my life since, I think it was about a year, maybe, maybe six months. And then I think we started talking. And the things that you would say to me were, I don't know, challenging, but I'd be like, yeah, really? And I always said that I'd never come back into the church. And um, a number of times. A number of times. <laughs> or definitely be on stage singing. Yeah. Um, but he has positioned certain people in my life that I have been able to walk this walk with. And, um, and I'm, I want something radical. I want something radical. Tell us more about that. What does your heart burn for, having lived an experience of having hopes, dreams, expectation, faith that moved mountains, and then having to deal with extreme pain, loss, grief that didn't line up with that? Yeah. What do you burn for now, this, this desire for him to be real? But what does that... Tell us more about that. Uh, this journey has been utterly painful. I can't tell you. The loneliness has been crippling. Um, just feeling sick constantly, battling with anxiety and fear. And 
never once have I wanted to give up because I know there's more. And I know for me, um, seeing my mum pass away of cancer, like I said, I had a choice and I can get offended. You could even still be a Christian and come to church and you can still sit there with offence. And you can think that you're doing okay, but when someone says something, you're not free to be able to receive that. And... Um, I just am ready to see lives changed. And Herbie, I would say, is like a mentor to me. Um, And I have these conversations with him, and it's like I'm picking. Like, I'm not done. (laughs) You know, I still come to church on a Sunday and go, I can't do this, God. I can't do this. I don't want to do it. But I know there's so much more. Mm-hmm. And we, we have orchestrated a church, and this is not, I'm not talking about Numa, I'm talking about the Christian way of life. Mm-hmm. We do it sometimes numbingly. Yeah. We come to church on a Sunday, we sing a song, we, we, um, we hold our hands, and sometimes we truly believe. But the question is, do we know? Do we know him? Yeah. Like... Do we know him? (laughs) And as painful as it has been, I know I want to know him. And so yesterday, it was interesting. It's been a journey. Christmas is a really difficult time for me. You know, I haven't got a family. Everyone around me does. So there's many things I'm contending with a lot of the time. But it's like, ultimately, I then position my heart back to Jesus, back to this hurts God, but I have to do this. And Herbie and I are communicating a lot. And he, like, what I love about Herbie is he, he moves in the spirit. So often he'll text me. And God's told him to text me, and it has just been that positioning. And I'm like, how did you know? Well, because I listen. <laughs> but, but can I just say, it's something so simple like that. Like, what, what did it mean to know God? And this is what we've been talking about. It's about communicating with him, and it's about hearing him. What more do you want? Like, what more do you want? And I, I, your experience and your story um, will resonate with many people, and for some, in a very raw way and a very um, current way. You're talking about a journey that's been five and a half years, um, and for some people here, they will be imminently dealing with a huge amount of loss and pain or having just dealt with that. Um, what, would you, what would you say to people here about how to keep pursuing God in the pain? Because that's your experience. You haven't waited until you've not felt pain to then go to God. What would you say to people here who this is raw for them right now? Good question. I don't necessarily have the answer. I don't have a procedure. I don't have this is what you should do. All I know is I turn back to Jesus every time. Mm-hmm. And when it got painful, I just turned to Jesus. Mm-hmm. I have a voice, 
and the enemy silences me a lot of the time. So for me to speak out has been really challenging, but it is like in the midst of the pain, I worship. I have a worship heart, and actually that's how I came back. And I remember when I was with the guy I was with at the time, and I literally, I, Maverick City had just started, and I remember texting you, and I would literally have it on in the background, and then gradually it was like, God, I hate you, but I have to worship you. It was like that. It didn't look pretty. I, I haven't got the, yes, and then suddenly I had an experience of Jesus, an epiphany <laughs> of everything disappeared. It, it's still painful today. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, we've talked, we heard Moses came. If you haven't heard what Moses said last week, I would strongly encourage you to, um, to go and catch up and watch that and listen to that. He talked about um, dying to stuff in order to fully be free and surrender. And you've talked about, I hate you, God, but I have to worship you. That's costly. That's really costly. So what do you, what do you understand of what Moses said? What does dying to yourself in order to find freedom in God look like for you? Pursuing God, pursuing what he wants, letting go of what you think you should have, what you think you should feel that you should have. I can't give you the amount of times people have said to me, I don't know why you're not married, Jen. I don't know why you haven't got the things that other people have got. Do you know how hard that is when you have someone say to you that time and time again? And I could have gone out and got married. I haven't compromised. And that's the thing that I can honestly say. I haven't compromised. There's been moments I've not been innocent. I'm not saying I've, you know... Ultimately, I've come back to wanting to know more. Ultimately, I've come back to going, right... I want to see dead people raised. I want to see blind eyes open. I want to see the things of his kingdom. So what does that, what does that look like? Well, it means you lay it down. You lay it down. And just to be clear, these have been huge desires in your heart for a lifetime, right? In terms of, so Jen isn't saying she's had no interest in being married or having a family of her own in order to lay that Please. down. Just to, be, just to be really clear, um, that's been a huge desire for you, right? It's, <laughs> a lot of it is quite painful, really. Yes. Um, absolutely. Like, I couldn't think of anything more than to have a family, to walk with someone, to do life with someone, to, to have children, to see those things... But what I want more is what he wants more. And I can't compromise. Like, I can't compromise it. Amazing. So what we're going to do now is we're going to have a chance just to respond to what Jen has said um, and what God has been saying through you. Um, And 
when I said to Jen last night, how about it? She said to me, what's really annoying, Nick, is um, ages ago you said to me, I've got a voice, and if I ever get an opportunity, I should say yes. (laughs) And so she just looked at me and I was like, good advice, me, yes. You should say yes. And I think um, I just want to honour you, Jen, in terms of your, yes, you have a singing voice and it's beautiful, but but you have a voice to do what you've done here today in speaking truth and life, which God wants to do immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine. And I think we would all agree that he is wanting to release you into speaking up and speaking out more. Um, And that's what we're going to do now. So I'm going to invite you all just to stand um, where you are. Thank you for listening to Numa Sunday's podcast. For more information, go to numachurch.uk, where you can find more ways to connect with us. Have a great week, and remember you're loved.